What is the effect on soybean production with these high daytime temperatures? Soybeans are not projected to be um, impacted quite as much. Um, our projected yield decrease by mid-century is 9 to 11% for soybeans, um, so less than that for corn. And so they're not, um, because it's an indeterminate crop, it's not affected by heat to the same degree. The other thing to consider with soybeans is the potential for CO2 fertilization is what people often refer to. So with higher CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere, certainly carbon dioxide is something that plants make use of. And so there's been a lot of hypothesizing about whether or not the increased CO2 will actually benefit crop production. And people have been doing field experiments where they grow corn and soybean in a high CO2 environment. And what we're starting to see is that in the case of corn, it doesn't seem to benefit from that high CO2 environment. And so it's not, in fact, able to make use of it and become more productive or to produce more grain for less water. But soybean does seem to be better able to make use of the high CO2 environment. Our model projections did not include the impact of CO2 enhancement. Um, so that 9 to 11% yield decline for soybean does not take into account technological improvements and it doesn't take into account the, the potential for positive benefits of CO2. Now, in the case of soybeans and higher CO2 environments, how does the nutritional value uh, hold up on the crop? This is getting a little outside my exact area of expertise. I will give that disclaimer. But we do have evidence that growing plants in a high heating environment and a high CO2 environment can change the nutritional content of the crop. In particular, we can see a decrease in the protein concentration and, in some cases, an increase in the fiber concentration. And so there is potentially a negative impact on uh, the nutritional quality of the crop. The models predict that there will be an increased total precipitation over the course of the year, mostly uh, during the winter and spring. So if farmers are planting their crops earlier, then are their fields going to be too muddy to get into, or uh, can, they, can they get around that? That is certainly a risk, and that's why earlier I said if you're able to take advantage of the earlier growing season. You know, because of warming temperatures, soils will warm faster. The, um, the date of the last frost will be earlier in the year. And so from a temperature perspective, um, it's possible that we could plant earlier. But as you already alluded to, the, the moisture conditions might be the limiting factor. And so in a field that has poorly drained conditions, that's certainly going to be a risk. You know, a lot of our fields use subsurface drainage already in order to remove excess water in the spring so that fields are accessible. And in some cases, producers might need to um, look at upgrading their drainage system. Maybe um, the, the spacing won't be close enough together to be able to maintain um, field access during these wetter spring conditions. In some parts of the state, we have limitations of our county drainage system. There's been so much field tile put in in the last couple of decades that all of those fields draining to the same county ditch can sometimes overwhelm it. So that might become the limiting factor. 
And so there are locations where because of drainage, it might be difficult to take advantage of the earlier growing season. So I'd like to switch to, um, to livestock. What will be the effect upon livestock uh, with warmer summer temperatures? Well, heat stress is the biggest risk to livestock production in the state. Um, we use as a threshold about 86 degrees Fahrenheit. The days when temperature exceeds 86 are days when livestock and poultry experience heat stress. Um, when the animals are, are stressed, they're going to eat less, and that's going to decrease their milk production and growth. And we do project that by mid-century, the number of days per year where the temperature exceeds 86 degrees Fahrenheit is likely to double. And not only will there be a, a doubling of the number of days, if we look at the, the average number of days that temperature exceeds 86 degrees in a row, so the duration of each heat stress period, that is also projected to double. So that if in the past uh, an animal sort of had to make it through three days of heat stress and then it would cool down and they would feel better and they would start eating again, now we're looking at six days on average. So let's take uh, cattle production. Um, does it matter what kind of breed of cattle the farmer is raising? I am sure that individual species are going to have different specific susceptibilities and that some species are going to better withstand heat stress than others, but looking at, at those specific animals is not something that we were able to do in this study. So, yeah, there are species that tolerate heat better, I guess, Charlet better than, say, Angus is my understanding. Yes, and so that would certainly become a management option in terms of you know, selecting your animals that are, are going to be more comfortable or going to survive better in these higher heat conditions. Of course, it's a fairly high ex expense to change your herd from Angus to some other more heat tolerant. Absolutely, and that's why um, we're, we're doing a study like this. Certainly looking out at potential impacts mid-century, there's a lot of uncertainty involved in that. But we're trying to quantify what the potential risks are to Indiana producers so that when they're making decisions now, when they have years where they have excess capital that they want to reinvest in their enterprise, that they have some idea of what are the investment decisions that they should be making now that might make them more sustainable 30 years from now. And what else would you like to convey to our listeners uh, about the future of agriculture? I think just that... Um, as we've already discussed, there are a lot of risks um, as we look out mid-century because of changing moisture conditions, because of changing temperatures. There's the potential for increased pressure from diseases and pests that we haven't experienced before or that we have experienced but are likely to become more intense just because the, the conditions for those, those pests and diseases are better, but that there's also a lot of opportunity. And so we prepared this report so that we could have a more realistic look at what are the risks that are facing um, producers in Indiana. Because we know that our producers are capable of adapting. They've adapted over the last decades. Agriculture today is not the same as it was 50 years ago. We just want to remember that it's not going to be the same 50 years from now. And we'd like to highlight some ways that people can start to adapt or think about the changes that they can invest in now to prepare for a strong agricultural future in Indiana. Are you optimistic about the future? Oh, absolutely. 
as I said, there will be some things that will look different than they do today. Um, we might grow different varieties of apples than we do today. We might be able to start growing peaches in the state. Um, but these can all be positive changes, recognizing that, that change is difficult and, and not being able to do things exactly the way we've done them in the past can be stressful. Um, but this is not the end of to agriculture in the state. Thank you very much for your comments. I've been speaking with Professor Laura Bowling of Purdue University. Thank you very much for your comments. All right. Thank you very much for your interest.